Let's discover what lies at the intersection between learning and the lives of the people who make business happen. I'm Dr. Michelle Epler, and this is the Human Capital Lab Podcast. As learning leaders seek to earn and keep a seat at the strategy table, they must be able to accurately measure people effectiveness and process efficiencies. The ability to predict or forecast human performance requires an understanding of the what, why, and how of human performance. For today's episode, Dave Gregory and Jay Delling will share stories of measuring people and intentionally changing behavior to improve results. The Human Capital Lab's mission is to develop innovative and valuable approaches to unlocking the human potential of human capital investment. Canadis 3 was co-founded by Dave Gregory, a member and expert of the Human Capital Lab. Based upon these same principles, Canadis 3 provides access to tools necessary to capture the what, why, and how of human performance. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Jay Delling is a co-founder of Canadis 3 a 20-plus-year veteran of the healthcare industry, he managed pharmaceutical products, sales teams, and clinical liaisons in multiple states for both Novartis and Pfizer. Coupled with his experience in home health and telehealth service options, Jay provides Canadis 3 customers with a broad range of expertise in profit acceleration. A co-author of the 50K in 50 Minutes, Jay helps clients identify the strategic areas of their business to increase profits quickly. And one of my partners in crime, Dave Gregory, who led organizational performance as a global vice president of human resources with Alorica. He was chief learning officer with Global Receivable Solutions and was the director of performance enhancement with the West Business Solutions. During Dave's 30 plus years in telecommunications and business process outsourcing, his learning programs have been delivered to more than 1 million participants. So Dave and Jay, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and uh, learning a little bit more about what we can teach our fellow L&D collaborative partners. Thank you, Michelle. It's going to be fun to be with you again today. Michelle, love being with you. Thanks for the opportunity to hang out with you. I'd really like to first get started hearing a little bit about when you started looking into measuring learning effectiveness. Dave, why don't we start with you? Yeah, Michelle, it's it's been something that I've been interested in for a long time because I've always found that some people consistently outperform other people. And I've been interested in why. Can we understand what it is that makes people more successful than others? And the question, are leaders born or made, really intrigued me. And I wanted to find a way to measure and predict human performance. Ooh, I'd I'd like to learn more about that too. (laughs) Jay, what about you? So Michelle, for me, it really started in the early 1990s. I was a golf coach at Newman University and NAI school. And I became very intrigued about how to measure learning effectiveness. And I came across the the great book from Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. 
And I was particularly drawn to habit number two, begin with the end in mind. I'd always coach players to be willing to, to put the work and practice to maximize their potential. So in 1993, I wanted to test the theory of begin with the end in mind. We had an excellent team that year, and I challenged them to establish an end goal for the year. We had an active discussion, and the end goal was to qualify and make the 36-hole cut in the national championship tournament that was held at TPC at Sawgrass, which, by the way, is a very iconic course in the United States. So beginning with the end in mind, we moved backwards, filling in the steps required to, to reach the goal. Part of the steps for me was to upgrade our schedule to make it more competitive. The players then committed to developing their games through dedication and practice, conditioning, those kinds of things. So all the players were excited about begin with the end in mind. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> we won the District 10 championship, which automatically qualified us for the national tournament. And so we made the 36-hole cut, finished the tournament in 17th place. We performed in the top 5% of all schools that play golf. So that was my first attempt at really measuring learning effectiveness. And I've used the begin with the end in mind in strategy in my leadership coaching ever since. So when you think about all of the different types of human capital data that are out there, what specifically do you, Jay, start with? What do you measure? So we really focus on measuring preferred behavior styles, internal motivators, how people critically think, make decisions, and solve problems. And so, as you mentioned earlier, we call this the what, why, and how of human performance. And really awareness and the ability to apply these performance measures really increases our emotional intelligence and our ability to contribute at a high level to the success of the organization. Yeah, so the, the science behind what we're using is called axiology. And it was developed by Robert Hartman, who was a German researcher and, and came to the United States in the, in the 1930s. His science is really based on mathematics and valuation. And so we've developed you know, the use of both intermetrics profiles, as well as TTI success insights are the, the companies we use that provide that same science to us. And it, it does measure across DISC, which many people are familiar with. This is the axiology version of DISC versus some of the other versions that exist. And then we look at values, as you talked about, understanding why people do the things they do. DISC is about preferred behavioral styles. And then we use the attribute index. And the attribute index is different in that it's a cognitive assessment versus the other two, which are non-cognitive. And we capture more than 93 different data points based on the information someone provides in the survey to us. And then we can identify 27 different external and 27 different internal patterns of thought, along with about 20 external and 20 internal emotional biases that people have. So the science behind this makes the combinations really extraordinary. And you've heard people talk about how human beings are unique. And, and that's really what we have found. There's a lot of different instruments out there that measure from a psychological perspective how people think. Find the one that works for your organization, but make sure you're capturing this human capital data in, in one fashion or another. 
That's a lot of data points, Dave. And for some people that might be a bit overwhelming, but I'm sure that there is a way to help them capture and know what are the points that they need to pay attention to for what they're trying to accomplish. I know one of the first questions that might come to mind to some of our listeners is, what about these assessments and the data? How are they validated? What are the steps you've taken to ensure that they're valid? Yeah, so there's a lot of research that's that's gone into making sure that they are valid. One of the standards that we have in the U.S. is the Equal Opportunity Commission, so EEOC, and the validation studies that the Attribute Index specifically has gone through is there's 28 individual val- validation studies that have been conducted over about the past 20 years. And we've used 19 different examiners to examine the tool. And validation was important to us to be documented in not only construct validity and concurrent validity and face validity, but also predictive validity. And so while ongoing research continues to underscore the value of this particular tool, we're always looking at the validity of the assessments. And we're really confident now because we've seen just in our own practice, we've seen over a million different profiles have been used by our customers. And so as we have a chance to meet with people and review profiles with people, what we consistently hear from them is it's a little scary how how accurate they can be. So would you help us uh, understand this a little bit more? Would you share an example of how you use human capital data to help a client? You know, we always begin with gathering the human capital data by having the participant complete the three assessments that we use, the DIS, the values, the attributes index. And actually just yesterday, a coaching client leader I was talking to was really frustrated with a direct report needing validation on a $96 billing error. (laughs) So I brought up both of their Canadis 3 profiles. And so the review showed that the leader was a very high D, so very decisive, very demanding, can be demonstrative. The direct report was a high C, so very cautious, very analytical. So, and the Cs are data-driven, and and sometimes they can become handcuffed about making decisions because of that. So in this case, the direct report kind of lacked the confidence to make a decision without checking in with the leader. So I asked the leader to circle back around with the direct report and use some affirming exercises and uh, validating the trust and getting the the buy-in that, look, this employee is valid and valuable to this organization. And so what, what we're asking is to give that direct report the confidence to make their analysis and then empower them to make the decisions without counseling the leader. That way, the leader is more proactive and, and can use that time for, for things that are going to contribute more to the organization. It makes both of them a little more effective and efficient in their time moving forward just by some simple evaluation of their preferred behaviors. Yeah, it it certainly does, Michelle. One of the things we use the reports for as well is to establish benchmarks. And so we can look and establish an emotional intelligence benchmark for a participant. And then as they participate in a learning program, we can come back later and have them retake the assessment. And we can see if their emotional intelligence actually improved or we can focus on a particular behavior that we might need someone to to get better at. 
And so it's, it's a way for us to measure learning effectiveness. And it's one of the things that I really love about having this as a data tool is it helps us drive whether or not our learning programs are actually delivering the results that we're hoping for. So um, trying to help our uh, listeners get a visual as to what these typical measures look like, they're hearing the outcomes and they sound great. These are all things we want. It's going to help with employee engagement. It's going to help with confidence of the employees. It's going to help with autonomy and drive and efficiency. But as an L&D leader, what do these look like? And when they're delivering them to, to the workforce, what will the workforce be seeing? Yeah, what they actually see is a picture, if you will, a graph that really shows them how their results align and and align to other benchmarks, such as the Intermetrics norm or the Success Insights norm. And so it allows them to see a comparison of where they're at in their development of a particular behavior or a core attribute, as we like to refer to them. And then we've developed specific profiles for people when they think about candidate assessment or assessing someone within your business for a new role. So things such as sales, customer service, um, an ER nurse versus an elder care nurse, those are some of the things that they'll be able to see and and be able to compare and and know, is this person likely to be a good fit for the, the role that we might be thinking them of fulfilling? So the other thing we look at, Michelle, is the measurement of emotional intelligence. It it includes seven categories, which includes communication skills, interpersonal skills, personal motivators, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social skills. So overall, 27 of the 78 core attributes we measure in the attribute index are included in the emotional intelligence data. So quick story. We measured a participant at an average of these seven scores of 6.48. Now, the people he worked with described him as very temperamental. They walked around on eggshells because they didn't know which version of him would show up day to day, right? (laughs) He describes himself as passionate, a hard worker, dedicated, helping his team achieve their objectives. I'm sure you've seen this story before, right? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. So we focused on his emotional intelligence development. In the first year, and this, this is typical, he wasn't committed and nothing changed. Shocker, right? Right. Unfortunately, because of this, he had several key employees leave the organization. He decided that he, he needed to do something different or more accurately, his board of directors decided ah. he needed to do something different. So when he made a commitment to improve his emotional intelligence, sought feedback, coaching, he accepted it, he made changes, and guess what? His emotional intelligence improved to 7.37, right? So up from 6.17. That's a huge change. In the following year, get this, he continued his focus And this January, he tested at 8.55. So more importantly, the company enjoyed their best year ever in total revenue and profitability. They retained 94% of their employees with no key personnel losses and met their goal for adding new employees. So, you know, this tells us leadership matters and your ability to measure leadership core attributes are table stakes in building the strategy to develop your people. 
Wow, that's a great example. Thank you. So when it comes to measuring learning effectiveness, do you use human capital data or how do you recommend learning leaders use HCD? Yeah, we, we recommend that they use it in the entire employee life cycle. So really measuring it in candidates, um, using it for onboarding to develop their onboarding plans, using it for performance improvements, as well as succession planning. And so really, if you think about that, the full employee life cycle, it's about having this human capital data available to you so you can make the best decision possible when it comes to developing your people. No one would ever try to manage any organization without financial data. Many people are still managing their organizations without the human capital data that they need. You know, it makes me think about, of all people, I'm going to quote Bruce Lee, <laughs> who said, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. And so when you think about all of these different measurements that we have at hand, knowing about them isn't enough. Being willing or interested is not enough. We must actually use them and apply them in a way that helps us move the business forward. One of the things that we like to do as part of our podcast is we like to provide uh, additional resources to our listeners who want to learn more about what works we've been talking about and um, access some items today to help them get going in the corporate learning uh, measurement environment. So uh, what, what would you recommend? Well, what we would like to do is we'd like to offer a free Disc Plus profile link for anybody that signs up and subscribes to the, the Human Capital Lab podcast. And, and so we'll, we'll offer a, um, a free Disc Plus link for up to 10 employees for each person that signs up. And if they simply email hclpod at canadis3.com, like and subscribe to the Human Capital podcast, we will send that over to them. Wow, that is great. Thank you so much. Are there any other resources? Yeah, another resource that is instantly available to anyone is our ebook about improving profitability for their organizations. And the name of the book that you heard is 50K in 50 Minutes and How to Improve Your Organization's Performance. And so if they just simply email the 50K team at canadis3.com, so that's 50KTEAM at canadis3.com. C-O-N-A-T-U-S, the number three.com, we'll send them a free copy of the book. Wow, that is absolutely uh, amazing. Thank you so much. I am confident our listeners will be so excited. The Bellevue University Human Capital Lab website also has resources such as our study about the state of corporate learning measurement, how to measure your learning interventions, and so many other white papers. Uh, and those can all be found at the humancapitallab.org webpage. So Jay and Dave, I really want to thank you for your time today, sharing your insights and all this wonderful information about capturing effective human capital analytics that can help us move our programs and learning forward. Thank you so much for being our guests. I want to thank our listeners today and invite you to tune in to our next Human Capital Lab podcast. And until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on the Human Capital Lab podcast, a growth network podcast production in collaboration with Bellevue University. For more about Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab, head to humancapitallab.org. If you were inspired today, pass the link on to a colleague or friend. 
Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep learning to unlock the long-term potential of human capital.